everyone to another episode of the Lance Scurve Show Live. We have five people already in. I'm jumping right on into this without the music. I'm just so anxious to get into this because earlier we had a little power outage. I didn't know if I was going to be able to go or not. And I could do it on the phone, but I said, let me wait. So I'm starting out late tonight again. And I just want to focus on some master glam. Boy, you quick at the jaw. My, <laughs> I know you're a grown, grown woman, but I have to say my girl. <laughs> oh, man, I love you. I love you. I love you. You and mixed genre faves, just phenomenal. And like I said, you make it so much nicer for me to be here. And um, the whole feel of everything, because running a platform like this and you know, back in the days, we had like a turnover of, of different people. And I'm going to explain that to you probably semi-public or in a private, you know, conversation or something like that. It, it, it's, it was like every four months, a new set of agents would come through. <laughs> so now that I'm shadow banned and probably getting like three hits every video, you know, nobody bothers me anymore. It's like, eh, he's not hot anymore. So it's like, okay, yes, mixed genre faves. Yes, yes. Wow. Both of y'all, like I said, with the both of y'all, I can conquer the world. I mean, we all can conquer the world, but I'm just saying, you make it so much easier for me. D. Griffin, how are you? Love and light to you. Also, Mrs. Skurve is knocked out fast asleep. You know, she's a early sleep and an early rise, so she leaves me in the bed with my mouth open. Like, like you leaving? <laughs> Yes, yes. All love. It's all love. So, you know, I'm going to put a little hour in. I'm going to do more tomorrow, more than just one. And um, what kind of special effect was that? I never saw that before with the hearts flying up. Ah, I'm just too much into technical stuff behind the scenes, and I guess I never see it. But anyway, you know, I was going to start out on this topic in a different way, but it pulled me into other things. And I'm like, where do I start? Where do I end? And of course, I will bring back this topic again under a different title, but it will continue on just like I haven't forgotten. I let, I let us get a little hungry for it about the whole thing with demons. We're going to bring that back. <laughs> I haven't forgotten about that. You know, we're going to just start out from a different angle, but we're going to get right on the same highway. It's like going onto the same highway. Y'all are doing that again. Look at that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you know, it's like getting on the same highway in a different entrance, but you end up on the same highway. So we'll do that. Oh, wow. You look at that. I got to check that out. Yeah. Um, too many of us jump in too fast. That's a kind of an abstract title because somebody can say, what are you talking about? The swimming pool? No, you see a couple up there. You know, those trolls and naysayers that say stuff like that, they know good and damn well what I mean. But I wanted to start out a little earlier before this, meaning that not time-wise, but I want to say kudos to those parents or single parents that work with their children until they're fully or at full strength. Every situation is different financially, emotionally, and kudos to those children who look out for those who raise them up properly. That's a, that's a natural social security system. But since the system split us up as a family, we're dependent more now on this thing called social security that might not, might not even be there. And we shouldn't have to be scared if we did the right thing by our children. I'm not saying it's mandatory and you're going to take your whole life. No, but look, you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. Those parents, a single father, a single mother, that extended family, 
So we should always look out for our real family. Now, that being said, we have some different types of families here. We have some extreme dysfunctional families. Leave them alone. Leave them alone. It could be your father, dysfunctional, leave them alone. Hope for the best. It could be your mother, and she treated you jacked up and what? No, leave them alone. That's their fate. Let them fend for themselves. I'm not being too cruel. I've seen it too much. I've seen it too much. Now, why do I say all of this? This is a precursor to this topic, and I could have just made it a separate thing. But I just got a text from a dear close friend of mine who I spoke about a few months ago when she was in the chat room and how beautiful her son's Turned out to be, I'm not talking about beautiful, like some old homo type stuff. I'm talking about it was a smooth transition. And she went through, well, we spoke about it before, cancer. She defeated cancer. And all the hard work that she put into her sons was reflected back on her. It's a beautiful thing. She's a hard worker. And she got over this because of the love invested. That's nature's social security plan. That's the way it's supposed to be. You see what I mean? But too many of us are so quick to say, at 18, you out because I got mine and you got to get yours. I know we have some youngsters who are very mature, but no. Now, if if they're rebellious and raising hell and cussing you out and disobedient, thinking they're going to sit down and not do nothing. No, but if they have a desire to take up a trade, go to school, or even in this tough economy, work a job for now while learning something online. There's so many things to do, so many different variables of what you can do. So if you have a rebellious child like that, going to bring people all up inside the house to have sex in there when, when you're gone, cuss you out, all up under your clothes and expect you to continue on with that. You toss their asses out and let them see what life is all about. But if they're obedient, good. Now, why do I say all this for a show that's based on relationships? I say this because we can avoid so much or our children can be shielded from so much if we think ahead of time and allow it for it to be a smooth transition, just like when you have a car and you put the transmission fluid in there and you can't even feel the shift. If they're obedient, if they're helpful, if they're not bringing any drama, then you should allow, you never stop being a parent over a good child, which is transitioning into adulthood. When they move out, they're moving out into their own home in a perfect world, in a perfect world. That should be the standard. Now we know, like, again, I say in a perfect world. We have some children who become addicted to drugs and start having babies young and all what, you know, it's complicated. So I can't say do it this way and that's it and everything will be uh, perfect. No, I would never say that because there are too many variables. I wouldn't be disrespectful to the people that I love that may be in certain situations where 
it may not be impossible, but it may take a little time to work out. Just like when you're in a traffic jam, going to work in the morning time and the light turns red and you like six feet stuck into the intersection, you know, it seems like it's never going to move. Later on, when you drive to that same intersection, you're like, dang, how did that work out? Because nobody was moving. Gridlock. That's what it was. Sister Oyala, greetings. Welcome home, my family. <laughs> we spend a lot of time together, so we're definitely family. But yes, so there's different reasons for that. Now, for many of us who were hard-headed, and it doesn't mean you were hard-headed if you had to leave your home early because we can have unbearable dysfunctional situations. And I'm going to swing right on back to that. Dysfunctional situations where you have mothers who put others over the children, fathers who are abusive, fighting, no peace, drama and trauma. Too much to list. Let's just wrap that up in one big thing. Too much to list, but reasons why you would not want to be there. So it doesn't mean you're a bad person when you wanted to leave. It may have taken some time for you to get to know yourself. But let's talk about the hard-headed individuals who had the opportunity to be in a good home, but they were just disobedient. They got caught up in the fast stuff going on that they may have seen or been influenced by other households that where, where it was more permissive. I've seen it. And those people following behind those other ones ended up losing and they found themselves ass out in the world. Wondering what happened. And then we get to a certain point where that hard headedness stays with us as we should be focusing on ourselves. Because again, I say there's so many different situations out there. It's not a one size fits all world. We may have similarities in our situations, but it's never exactly the same. And even if it was exactly the same, we have to take into consideration that there's so many different variables with us as people. Okay, the things that you had to face in life, I'm speaking in general, but I'm just saying it to everybody, like, but it's still a general statement. What some of you may have gone through, I may not have been strong enough to go through. Some of the things I went through, maybe some of y'all wouldn't want to deal with that. I know one thing, when them cops were beating on me like that, them 11 cops, I don't think anyone, anybody wants to be bothered with that. And then we grow. Who we were last year, that's an older model, older version. We may not feel it, but we're a year wiser, more keen, sharper. The gift of discernment is even at a higher level, hopefully. The one thing with the gift of discernment, when we get caught up in the lower vibrational emotions of anger or, you know, just overlust, I'll call it that, just sadness, depression, the gift of discernment is blurred and reduced. I've learned that personally. So when you keep a cool head and a steady demeanor, that gift of discernment will stop you from getting caught up in a whole lot of things. So now we're out here, incomplete, 
not fully developed. And again, that whole 25-year-old adolescence statement that I heard from a reputable person, meaning that our brains don't develop until 25, but we don't really fully develop. Now, we can be mature for our age, and it doesn't mean the exact birthday. Happy birthday! You're fully matured. doesn't mean that. It could be 23. It could be 28. It could be 21. Again, that's a general guideline. But thinking of it that way, we have these laws out. Well, I'm 18. I can drink with your underdeveloped brain and, and lack of mature reasoning abilities. Doesn't mean you're a klutz or an idiot, but you're not where you're going to be at 30 as you're not going to be where you're 40 as you're not going to be where you're 50 and 60. God, dog, I'm old. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm having fun every day with my family here. Every day is sweet. I wake up and say, boy, what are we going to talk about tonight? This is better than a bar. I don't have to be intoxicated. I don't have to drive home. Almost getting in accidents. Now, I'm not jacking my body up. It sharpens up my mind even more. And I thank you for that. Look, we got 16 people in. Some streams I see got 3,500. But you know what? I'm having a ball right here in this little corner of the cyberspace. I'm very much content as I look to branch off into other things, but maintain this. It's a beautiful thing because this is effortless. I, I don't have to rehearse or bring a script when I go to a party. Well, I'm going to a party tonight and I, I got a script on everything I'm going to say and how I'm going to stand. I mean, you, you, you may like plan what you're going to wear or something like that, but I'm free flowing all the time. I ain't got no time for the mask. Wearing a mask. No, it's not going to happen here. But when you get out there and we feel a feeling for a person for whatever reason, lots of times we don't go down the checklist of what we need to know about ourselves before we let go. I'm not saying let go of the person, but we let go, reckless abandon, we jump into it. And like I said, too many of us jump in too fast. And we usually catch our scars early. Some, it doesn't happen that way. I happen to know several people from young. They did their best. It worked out and it lasted for many, many decades. Still strong. Sometimes people transition, but it's still strong even then. But I'm going to read a list, just six things, nothing long to kind of back up and be the spine of what I'm trying to say here. And it says, when it comes to romantic relationships, taking things slow and not rushing into them can be a wise approach. Here's some other reasons why. And I'm going to freestyle hard after I read these six little things. Self-discovery, taking time for self-reflection and personal growth allows you to better understand yourself, your needs, and your desires. It's important to have a clear sense of your own values, goals, and aspirations before entering into a relationship. Rushing into a romantic relationship without knowing yourself well enough can lead to compromising your own identity and happiness. Because you don't know yourself yet. 
and I'm talking to the ladies and I'm talking to the men too, but since I'm a man, I kind of lean toward talking to the ladies. We have more ladies here tonight. You see what I mean? So, oh, let me see what's, I see Mixed sent me a message here. Oh, oh, okay. No, 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 I know. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I truly appreciate that because it's a lot of button clicking going on out here. My fingers are numb sometimes. Today, not to get off subject, but today I got up before I even went into the kitchen. You know, I'll get up, wash my hands, wash my face, whatever, whatever, you know, go into the kitchen. I took a detour and sat down by the computer. Why did I do that? I sat there for three hours before I went and got something to eat. <laughs> but it was beautiful because I was playing some old music. It zoned me out. I got it. I recorded that little piece, put up Sister Seven stuff. When I finished everything and Mrs. Scarif came home from the garden, poof, the lights went out. But I was glad. I was glad that I put that work in. I worked until it was dark. It's a beautiful thing. And then, yeah, it got dark again. So all of the help and the button clicking, it really helps. Even if one or two people come out of that, that's one of two, one or two people that we wouldn't have met or known or whatever. That, that, that's a really big part. And I thank you all for that. Like Master Glam said, what? Nothing like being alone. You're right about that. To recalibrate, recharge, and get to know yourself. And that's what many, and I'm not just throwing off on the youngsters, but they need to hear this. The 20s, that's still part of the foundation for life. You jack up your 20s. You'll be in your 60s thinking about it, 70s thinking about it. Oh, you can recuperate and come back from it. But a lot of us set ourselves back because of foolish decisions, all because we didn't get a chance to really know ourselves. And sometimes we follow the crowd and sometimes we get a little influenced by somebody else. Come on, girl, you know I love you. Let me just put the head in. That's a T-shirt. Let me just put the head in. And you know how that goes. You start feeling it. It's halfway in. And when he's in there, oh, baby, don't worry. I, 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 I pull out. Okay. That's another, that's another topic, y'all. Emotional readiness. Emotional readiness is crucial for a healthy and fulfilling relationship. Rushing into a romantic relationship may prevent you from fully healing from past experiences or addressing emotional baggage. It's important to give yourself time to process and heal, ensuring that you enter a new relationship with a clear and open heart. How many of us of all ages jump from one thing right into the next thing? thinking that it's going to take care of that baggage, that toxicity that we had. Listen, I got to raise my hand on that. Different parts of my life, yes. But do you know there's some people who leapfrog like that their whole life and they're dragging those, those imaginary bags? I always talk about them big hefty bags of baggage, of trauma that you didn't deal with of those hurts and injustices done to you, perceived and real, 
You know, it doesn't have to be real. They can be real to you because you perceived it. And the funny part about it is these people who've done us wrong or we think did us wrong, they're skedaddling out there in life, having a jolly old good time, not even thinking about what they did to you. So whether they do or not, don't expect the apology, but you know what? You can face it yourself. Deal with a clean house yourself. You had people come over to a party, 25 people over in your apartment, your house, partying. You're having a good time. Everybody leaves. You turn around after the last guest left and you look at your place. Oh my God. Dishes with food all over the place. Broken dish over there. A stain on the couch and on your white rug. You go into the dark hallway to that bathroom. Yo, what were they doing in my house? There's a condom on the ground. You find all kinds of things. And guess what? They left you with that. You can be mad. You can process it and say, you know what? Next time I have a get together, it's going to be in a hall. But I'm going to take my time and clean this place up and clean it up better than before. You can't have a party the next night. You didn't get over the party you had the night before. Even when you think you're over something, you need to take time. You know what I heard today? I don't know how true it is, right? They say this was somebody's personal formula. And what they said was, whatever time you were with someone, you need to take half that time to stay to yourself. I'm like, yo, I don't think that's going to work with a lot of people because some folks been with people for 20 years. So what you're going to do, be 10 years by you? No, I'm not, I, don't, I don't really subscribe to that. Even if it's two years you were with somebody and I'm um, taking my, but you know, if they were beating you, gave you STDs, made babies, you know, hey, if it's two years, yeah, take a year at least. Shoot, you might want to take about two or three in that situation. Again, the variables are different for different people. But the bottom line is, is too many of us jump in too fast. And we don't want to do the work after things are over, which in every situation that we enter into, we don't think about it being over. We don't go into it to be over. So do the right thing ahead of time with yourself. Number three, building a solid foundation. Relationships require a strong foundation built on trust, communication, and shared values. Rushing into a romantic relationship may lead to overlooking important aspects of compatibility or ignoring potential red flags. Taking the time to get to know someone deeply before committing to a romantic relationship allows you to assess their character, values, and long-term compatibility. Ooh, girl, I met this guy at the club. He danced so good. I think he was a stripper, but he got a six-pack, and you know he got a drop-top bands. He took me home. He took me eating, and we, what, girl, I wasn't going to let that go. Shoot, I mean, he can think I'm a whore or whatever. I gave it all up to him. Then you find out he's on the down low. Then you find out that he's got problems with addiction. He's struggling with heroin addiction. Doesn't mean you're less than a person when you have that kind of struggle. But you want to jump into somebody who has an addiction, they can't fully commit to you. They're not at their full strength. Why do some of us offer ourselves up as candidates for full, healthy relationships and we know good and damn well it ain't like that? Even if you're 85%, 
if you can kind of gauge it, because there's no numbers, no gauge on your leg. There are a lot. I was 85% yesterday and I'm 86 today. I'm getting there. There's no way of knowing. Because you might get flashbacks. You might have a traumatic thing go on when you think that you're further along in your healing, but you're not. Yeah, there's a time to move forward into a relationship. But again, too many of us jump in too fast. Ain't that something? So we have to take our time to understand that this person's value system is the same. Do we know their character? We know when we first meet somebody, we first meet their representative. And how is it going to be in the long term? Where do they see themselves? Or or even still, can they tell you where they see themselves? That's bad too. That's not good. You have no sense of trajectory or lineage into the future. You might not reach the goals that you set out for 10 years from now. But 10 years from now, you might be somewhere else. I don't mean physically in another state, maybe a country, whatever. But you may be in another lane doing better in that lane than you thought you were going to do in that originally projected lane. Because the closer we get to the destination is the more defined and the more we can see it. It's just like when you're driving at night on a foggy road and you have your headlights on. You could only see as far as your headlights. There may be something just beyond your headlights, so you need to be driving slow enough so you don't hit something that you didn't see because you can only see as far as your headlights. But why don't we try to take time with ourselves to find out what we're all about so our psychological headlights can go further than most normal people because there's a lot of people out here, they're only waiting for the paycheck on Friday night. Living it up, living it up, oh yeah, Friday night. That's 1978, (laughs) y'all. I love that song. But anyway, how do you see yourself? You don't have to pressure yourself, but take time and get to know yourself. How are you going to be good to anybody else if you don't know yourself? And when we leapfrog from one thing to the next, We're still upset at that prior relationship, whether we're upset at the individual or upset at the circumstances or upset that we broke up because we should have seen the red flags that were glaring at us, waving at us. But we ignored them. Because our eye. I'm not saying sexual lust, but I'm just saying the lust of the eye, meaning that, oh, uh, this person can fit into my world and and we can be a couple and we can have this and have that. And you think, oh, that's it. No, it's not it. You are two living, breathing, developing individuals. You know, when you have a dog and you're walking the dog, there's a reason why you have the dog in public on the chain. How many times have you walked the dog and the dog is walking straight, walking straight, and he pulls over to the side to sniff something and you kind of pull on the chain and bring him back in place? Well, that's us as human beings. You know, we're not always going to walk straight, the straight and narrow that you think we're going to walk. I don't mean a person's just going to go out there and go cheating or whatever, but if they don't know themselves, they don't know where they want to go. That dog, if you take that chain off, he'll find himself three blocks over, over somebody's fence, humping on somebody's other dog, eating out of somebody else's back, just wild. For real. You ever have a dog that got out 
You don't see him for three days. He's all scratched up, all orgasmed out, hungry, ribs showing, glad to be home. <laughs> he does it again and again. Come back limping. No, we got to keep going to make this fence higher. Like I said, with those who have obedient children, who are willing to follow the rules, you should provide not just up to 18, but shield them and give them advice. Allow them to grow. We're not talking about rebellious children, but we can help those who are obedient instead of throwing them out there to make decisions for themselves that they're not emotionally ready for. I'm kind of tying this all in. At the same time, we have those who don't want to learn and not to be obedient in a good home. I'm not saying be obedient in a dysfunctional home because I know I'd want to get the hell on up out of there too. But seek the advice, not just of olders, but true elders. And why do I say that? Just because a person's older doesn't mean they have the wisdom that you need. Nine times out of 10, it's that way. But sometimes, and a lot of times, and I've told, told people here who are much younger than me and even half my age, that they are elders to me. I've learned so much from Sister Oyala, Mixed Genre Faves, Master Glam, and the list goes on. In many respects, they are my elders. Because the knowledge and wisdom that they possess is far beyond mine in certain areas. And maybe in certain areas, I'm an elder to them. See, with me, there's no ego. I give credit where credit is due. I am subservient to what is right and the truth. Wasn't always that way. But when it came to righteous advice, I was always subservient to that. Maybe I didn't follow it all the time. But at this junction point in my life, I'm, I'm looking for all of it. I'm looking to submit to all of it. I ain't got no time to waste. And I'm not worried about that. I'm not hung up on, you know, I to my age a lot for a lot of reasons. It's like when you're driving down the road, it's like, okay, we got 200 miles before we get to Georgia. Oh, 150 miles before we get to Georgia, coming from New York. You know what I mean? It lets me, it reminds me where my blip is on the radar screen, and it helps me to have a sense of urgency because I know I'm gauging and engaging and executing, and it gives me a sense of urgency. Okay, I know where I am at this point in life, and I need to do this. I need to do that. I don't have time to waste. I'm not measuring my life away. No. Because I enjoy every day. Number four, assessing compatibility. Compatibility goes beyond initial attraction and shared interests. It involves understanding each other's core values. How many people you meet and you talk about the core values? I don't mean the first time. You, hey, how you doing? You introduce. Let me know before we move on to this conversation. Can I? You tell me your core values. It don't work that way. But in time, like I said, I'm going to say the sentence again. It involves understanding each other's core values, communication styles, long-term goals, and lifestyle preferences. That's a tricky one. Lifestyle preferences. No woman wants, you know, like if, if, if her man is sucking on a lollipop, that's cool. But if he's sucking on something else, that ain't cool. Maybe you like that. I don't know. But you better find out. 
taking the time to know your potential partner and assess compatibility in various aspects of life can save you from heartache and disappointment later on. Everything starts out beautiful. Everything starts out nirvana, utopia, orgasmic, everything. They can do no wrong. Girl, you're so fine. Every time you poot, I smell perfume. It's just beautiful. Until you hit that moment of disagreement and realize you're not compatible. Isn't that something? Exactly, Master Glam. I'm just starting to take a look back at the um, <laughs> something sex organs could never give you. Exactly. Exactly. Avoiding dependency. This is what happens to a lot of people in every phase of life, but especially when you're out the gate in your 20s. Rushing into a romantic relationship can sometimes lead to dependency on the other person for happiness and fulfillment. And I'll throw this one in also to pay the rent. <laughs> so many people are together just because they got to pay that rent. It's essential to have a strong sense of self and be emotionally independent before entering in a relationship. Taking the time to nurture your own self-interest, friendships, and personal growth helps build a solid foundation of self-worth and happiness. Mrs. Scurve has been gardening and farming and loving plants long before me. So if I, for some reason, am out of her life, she's going to feel it. But she has something to undergird her mental health and things that she has done. I've been doing what I was doing a good long while before I met her. We need these things. When you meet someone, you find that they don't have anything of their own. I mean, I know things can get busy. You're raising children and maybe you're working two jobs. You might not have the time, but you can express it. A person can see the kind of books on your bookshelf. Oh, you have an interest in this. Or the kind of videos that you watch. Oh, you have an interest in this. You're studying up on this. You can show that. I don't think anybody who just meets me has to question what I've been doing for the last 22 years. Maybe I can't show you what I've been doing all the years before then, but I can tell you, and I got enough people to vouch for me, but I think I got this one locked down, Sally, because I can show you, and that makes a person open up to you more when you have something that you love that you've been doing a little bit every day. It makes them more interesting also. I'll tell you, there's a... The supermarket, well, not just the supermarket, but the small mall that's about eight minutes away as far as a walk. It looks like it's further, but it's just short, short walk. I went there uh, earlier and they have a small supermarket in there. They got restaurants, they got a little movie theater, they got a gym. Ooh, I want to go there. But the woman behind, not the, ca not, not, a, not the cashier, but there's a little desk next to the door right there. Nice, it's well-stocked, it's clean. It's really, it's really something for this area. Nothing wrong with the area, but it's an industrial area, but it's, it's being built up another 10 years. It'll be a lot of more. Oh, God, I've been watching Mr. T too much. A lot of more. <laughs> I was going to say a lot more, but I said a lot of more, a lot of more, a lot of more. A pity the fool. <laughs> you can tell what I've been watching. <laughs> but she knows that it's going to be something built up shortly. So she came to me the other day and she said, oh, you're always here. You're such a loyal customer. And so she gave us a ticket, two tickets to the movies, the movie, the small movie theater that's there. And I was like, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. 
And she said, you, she's, you're different. So I made the joke when I said, yes, I'm a brony. I'm a foreigner. <laughs> so she started laughing. She said, no, can I ask you something? I saw you about three months in the middle of the divider, and you had a tripod and a camera and a light. It was dark. It was late. And you were talking into it. What do you do? Now, how do I tell this lady? What do I do? I do so much different stuff. How do I tell her? Well, I kind of explained it to her. She had a computer right there. I said, just pull up my site while I shop and look around at some things and we'll talk. And when I came back to pay, after I finished paying, I brought my wagon over there before I left. And she looked up at me. She said, oh my, you, you did all this? I said, yeah, but I do a little bit every day. If you do, do a little bit every day, it adds up as the years go by. So we got down and had a deep conversation. Her husband's a teacher. And she runs and owns that store. I think they have other locations. You could tell she's very disciplined. She's got to be like, I'd say maybe 45, maybe 50, but living really clean. She's really lean, really. She's petite, but very lean. So you can't really tell. So she was asking me different things. We got into a deep conversation. Comes to find out that she has this cleaning company with all her professional machines. And she showed me. And so I said, oh, my wife might be interested in that once we have everything done, because she even she said she's not going to be able to clean that house, even the both of us, like all the time. Every now and then, you know, once a month, come and do it really good and we can maintain it. So a connection was made just that fast. She opened up to me and gave me the tickets. And in response, I wasn't some grouchy guy, because every time I come in, there, I have something nice to say. I always compliment her on how she keeps that store. And she has some really professional people working there with her and for her. Very pleasant. So I can run somewhere else and get something, but I like to walk up there and go. So we just don't know how close we are to finding a friendship, a connection, whether it's a relationship, like a love romantic thing, or just a friendship, a business relationship. There's so many things right there for you. And I speak about being a little paranoid for people out there who are hating and looking to use you. But at the same token, when you have that sense to protect yourself and filter out the fake people, you still got to let the good people on in after you vet them. So that's how I flow. So she saw something in me. And every place I go in there, I get along fine with everybody. And there'll be a whole lot of videos coming from those places when they're ready. They know, Right. I don't know how I got on that, but when we're speaking about compatibility and core values, communication, long-term goals, those are the things we look at or should look at more so than, man, she looked good. Yeah, she may look good, but she's not going to look good when you don't have the same long-term goals, communication styles. She might be rude and abrupt just as well as he might be rude and abrupt. Does this, uh, speaking for the, for the ladies now, does this man represent you well? Is he a nice guy, but is he a bit crude and, and embarrassing to you in social situations that he wasn't trained to be in? His pedigree is not as high as it should be to your liking. These are little things that make a difference. You live in a place with bad roads. You drive your car over the bad roads. You go slow. Sometimes you go a little faster. You have another person who bought tires the same way you did, and their roads are just nice and smooth. Well, guess whose tires are going to run down faster? 
So there are a lot of variables when we meet someone. Avoiding that dependency. A lot of times we go into a relationship thinking that we're two people becoming one. That's crazy. That math doesn't even sound right. Two people becoming one? If it's two people becoming one, what, do you have to chop off a leg or something? It's two people joining together who, if the situation is right, should become synergistic and, 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 and the, the effects of your union should be like 10 people when you get busy and focus on something together. 15, 20, 25 people. But two people becoming one, this is the problem. If you subscribe to that, that means when you break up, those two people who became one, and now you're one, you do the math. You, you, you take one and divide it into two. You're 50% of a person. And now you're walking around life broken. Because that's a whole lot of loss. And you became codependent on that person because you were looking for them to fulfill you in ways that you should fulfill yourself by taking the time to know yourself, love yourself, be with yourself, and not be afraid to be alone. <laughs> I'm not afraid of being alone. That's not a diss to Mr. Scurve because I'm a complete person. But it's heavy work, like it's coming next week, and I'll still get my shows done with the heavier work. Electricians come in, other things going to happen. I got to be up there. I'll be recording stuff, and I'll come on and do my night show. But, but she ain't a half a person when she's up there by herself. And I love her, and I'm, I'm here with her. We have that understanding. But I'm, having, I'm in here laughing, playing, doing my stuff, and whenever I have to go anywhere to take care of paperwork or permits or different things, as a man in this society where, you know, it's kind of like a man's world kind of thing, I have to do it because I'm going to put a little bass in my voice, look these jokers in the eye and let them know this got to be done. Get in where you fit in. You see what I mean? That's a beauty. Okay, I got a text here. And I want to know, yeah, okay, wait a second here. My dear friend who beat cancer, she just texted me because we texted a little bit before. Um, and if you're listening to me, I would love for you to just come on in. Let me know if you want to come on in. Let me find, first of all, my phone is acting crazy. You know, sometimes you don't cut your phone off completely for a day or two and it starts acting stupid. <laughs> like a calculator with low batteries. Yes, yeah, she said she's cancer three, cancer free. Thank God. Yes, I'm so happy for you. And I knew you'd make it. You have so much more life to live. You're a beautiful young lady and you, you have your, your, your sons. You have your mother. You have, I mean, you have so much good family. This is one young lady who has the support that way. And I'm glad that she overcame that. And in that makes you appreciate life even more. Not that she didn't before. But I hope that her taking it more easy. And she is taking it easy because she worked damn hard. Oh, me being the bus driver, I know. Let me text her. I don't know if she's listening or not. Let me just, let me just say it to her on a voicemail. 
Do you want to come on into the show? I want to talk to you on the show. If so, I'll send you the link, sweetheart. I want you to come on, even in the chat room. Okay, let's see if there's an answer there. Let me read this last one. Everything right on time. Okay. Why did I think about that song? Always there when you call, always on time. Dun, 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 dun. Was it Ja Rule? <laughs> Number six, clear communication. Rushing into a romantic relationship may lead to misunderstandings or unmet expectations due to a lack of clear communication. Taking the time to establish open and honest communication with your potential partner allows you both to express your needs, boundaries, and desires. This helps build strong emotional connections and ensures that you are on the same page. It's the last little bit here. Remember, every relationship is unique and the timeline of when to commit varies for different individuals. It's important to trust your instincts, be patient and prioritize your own well-being when it comes to matters of the heart. Taking the time to lay a solid foundation will increase the chances of finding a fulfilling and lasting romantic relationship. But this goes with any kind of relationship. The communication Letting the person know where you stand. We hear this all the time, but people are still jacking up. TikTok is full of it. Instagram is full of it. Facebook is full of it. I think YouTube shorts were made for drama type displays. Because that's all we see. It's crazy. But what can you say? Now, those codependencies. Those, those, those expectations that weren't met because you thought male and female now because you thought they meant something you need to get clarification and take your time and stop thinking about how good they look and how the lust is in there kicking it no 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 this is a contract this is even when you're dating dating is not as serious as marriage but in this day and age really and truly anything you get involved in should be something that that couldn't be a possibility in the long haul. Not so, well, I'll never marry him, but he can come over two o'clock in the morning. I give him a key. And then you end up with a baby. Then what? Now you look at this joker that was good enough to plug you up, pump you up. But now it's a whole different ball game. Because a lot of us lay up with people that we just wouldn't dare bring out in public. I'm not saying they're ugly or jacked up looking or whatever, but we got to think along those lines because every mistake or, or misjudgment you can recuperate from, you learn from, but if we can avoid it, it would be so much better. It's like back when I was training as a bodybuilder, I learned from a lot of guys that, and I learned too late because I was training so heavy and so hard that I got injuries, a slip disc. All right, sweetie, she's listening. I'm glad you're listening. You know I love you, and we're all applauding you. We'll call you Miss T for the sake of your anonymity in the chat room. And I want everybody in the chat room to give Miss T, say Ms. T. Miss T sounds like Mr. T too much, right? <laughs> just, just give her your love. Say a few words. Say, say a paragraph. Say something. She's cancer-free, and that's something to be celebrated. She's a beautiful individual and one who I consider a, a close friend. 
even sometimes we don't get a chance to talk a lot, but I'm there for even if I'm way out in Africa. I'll take a plane out there and bust some heads if I have to. And she knows I love her very much. And I do love hard in many different ways because I had a guy tell me, man, you be telling them, you be telling them chicks, man, you love them or whatever, man, what you trying to do? Trying to get all the pussy? It ain't about that, man. There's different types of love. I love each and every one of you. Oh, she said, you're listening, but you're right there. Oh, you done gave your name away now. <laughs> Tracy Harris. <laughs> Give Tracy Harris some love. I wasn't even looking at the chat room. Oh, y'all will pick that up. Cancer free. Thank the creator. And, and you're going to, the, the best part of your life is, is here. And you have so much to look forward to. You do have more time after what you were telling me. Um, enjoy it. Don't feel guilty. And, and, and we know each other's lives. And, you know, you being so much of a loyal, hardworking friend to many people, there were people who were haters on, to you on the job. I remember all of that. And most of us do have those type of situations, but you don't have to deal with them no more. Let them go somewhere with their funny feelings and you live the wonderful life that you're going to live. And know for all those who, dis who have disliked you or didn't like you because of your light, because that's what it is. You have a divine light in inside of you. You understand? That's what it is because they're creatures of darkness. Come on, you, we got we to gotta one day tell the story of that hater. See, Tracy Harris knows that individual who was stalking me, <laughs> lying on me on the bus, talk about, yeah, I'm having sex with him and all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Tracy was placed on her job divinely in a place where she can hear this other woman calling my job, complaining on me, saying I'm stealing money. I'm driving too fast. I'm hitting on women. I ain't never done that stuff. And you heard Miss Baby Powder on the, on the show, on the conference line that we had, and she spoke the same things. I ain't mentioning no names now, but it's crazy. Yeah, Tracy, you know I'm talking about Roro. I'll just say Roro. <laughs> row, row, row your boat. <laughs> that was the most evil, lying woman in the whole. I'm going to do a show on her without saying her name. But yes, this is not about all of that jokes. It's about Tracy right now because she's here. I love you. We all love you and your royalty here. Let me tell you something. She's a good woman. Anytime she comes in this chat room, she may not come here all the time, but she's family to you as she is to me, whether you know it or not. I don't big up everybody like that. But I love you very much. and We all love you here, too. And if, if anybody here don't, don't love you, I'm going to block them. <laughs> But we're going to talk after the show, after do the show, because I'm not going to stay on that much longer. But I have to give you a short phone call before I turn in. And um, you don't have to thank me. You've always been there for me and I'll always be there for you. Always, no matter what. That's how we're supposed to do each other is righteous black people. You see what I mean? Not just talk. You know, you've been there for me when I've gone through things and woo. Brought me up and boosted me up. See, that's the way it's supposed to be. And that's our problem as a people. That's why I say you can't unify with everybody. It's a waste of time. The too many variables are split up so many ways. And we can be different in our ideologies, but we can have that common thread of knowing who we are 
and how we can function to serve and help each other. The problem with us, we, we, we clan up. Well, if you ain't a Methodist and you, know, you Episcopalian, I can't ride with you because we worship the Lord different. <laughs> and some of us out here ain't righteous at all, claiming all this church business. I'm not knocking nobody who goes or whatever. I'm not, I don't know. I don't know what their relationship is. I don't know what their level of spirituality is. But most of these people ain't think about no God. The only time they think about God and call God's name is when they know they're about to get into a real bad car accident or they're about to have an orgasm. Oh, God. <laughs> we got more church going on in the hotel rooms across America than the real churches. And a lot of time, the pastor's in there, too. <laughs> Laying hands on somebody. <laughs> uh, but I just want to throw this particular one out there because... You know, we need to talk about these things. They're very important. We need to refresh our memories on these things. It's like a person who's a professional. And professionals sometimes slip a little bit. And we need to refresh a course in life. But the main thing, no matter what situation it is, you can never spend too much time to yourself. I'm not saying become reclusive, but live balanced. But a lot of us are afraid to think and to be to ourselves. And that's why I know Tracy Harris has such a even more wonderful outlook on life because of what she's overcome. And it makes each day sweeter, each sunrise sweeter. Every meal, every drink of orange juice, every bite of a favorite food sweeter. We need to be in that place that every day brings such sweetness on a simple level. That we have no time to be hateful toward each other. I'll tell somebody off and leave them alone, but I'm not trying to be around dysfunction and, and the tensions and the, the, the bad gossip. Now, see, when somebody's looking out for you, it ain't gossip. If somebody tells you, listen, Lance, there's somebody walking around here with a gun looking out for you. That's not gossip. That's life-saving. You see what I mean? It's a thing. Wow. What can I say? Anybody want to come in? I uh, Probably. You're all talked out. Might not. I'll just drop it anyway if you have the urge. Demons. Yes, mixed genre. You can talk about demons. I don't know if it's tomorrow or Friday. What, what is today? Well, today, right, today is Thursday. So for me, when I go to bed and wake up, it's still going to be Thursday. That's where I get the confusion coming in when I stay up late. And it's still relatively early for me to get up and still have some morning time and stuff like that. But for the young folks out there listening on the wrap up, be careful. Ask yourself why you're jumping into this thing. Be honest with yourself. Don't lie. Because a lot of us lie to ourselves. A lot of brothers out here don't have their act together. I'm not knocking the brothers because the sisters too. And a lot of them know why. They're coming at that system because some of them may not have a place to live. I'm not knocking brothers and say they all don't have a place to live. Don't get me wrong, but I know too many like that who are not sincere. Boosting this woman up and making him seem like he loves her and he's trying to get in her bank account. Not all of our black brothers, but there's some of them out here. So sisters, you got to be careful. And let them know. We're going to take time with this. 
I want certain things too, but we're going to take time with this. And it's been so easy in the social media culture to lust after somebody's profile picture. Oh, damn. Look at her. You see what I mean? Then the next one, then the next one. And you're programmed to looking at everything all around. Let me see, let me see you something. Ladies, they're gorgeous men all over the world. You're going to see one, you're going to see, but usually ladies don't have that problem. But the testosterone, the men have it. They're just all over the place looking. You'll see stuff. See, looking and seeing are two different things. I see a lot, but I'm not looking. You start looking, you, you lose yourself because there's something else to look at. There's something else to look at. On that lower level. Now, when you find the person that you with and you're behind closed doors, and you want to look at things and get, you know, the righteous lust, fine. But just out there, like a dog in heat. And the way these sisters out here put the stuff on their head and walk around, walk up the hills, work and be in the sun all day and just eating pure foods. A lot of the brothers in America would not be able to handle the visuals that I see every day. I see it. Where am I going at 60 years old? We're going to go, go, go have five or six women, get them all pregnant. And then what? Where's that going? I know my role. I'm an older and maybe to some I'm an elder. I'm not old, but I know I've learned so much in this lifetime that I can pass on to be usable to somebody else. I've been to so many parties. I've been to so many movies. I've had many romances in my life. I've done many things and, you know, seen a lot of places, seen a lot of faces. No, I haven't traveled extensively like I know a lot of people have gone. Look, look at me. I'm an African. I've, I've never been to the, to the West Coast. <laughs> Is that something? I've only traveled to a handful of states up and down the East Coast, a little bit in. But mentally, my mind, my, my desire to learn human nature, which is all over the world, to learn people, to look deeper below the surface, to activate the gift of discernment, to sit down and meditate on what I've learned. Like I always tell you in shows before, and I'll say it again, it's like that granddaughter bringing a boyfriend, the granddaughter maybe 15, 16 years old, bringing home the boyfriend to meet the parents and also the grandmother. And the grandmother's sitting on the front porch. The parents didn't get in from work yet. And the granddaughter saying, Grandma, Grandma, this is my new boyfriend. Yes, this is the one I was telling you about. And she's nodding. She's smiling. Pleased to meet you, young man. Pleased to meet you. Grandma, we're going to go right now. Okay. Then the granddaughter comes back. So, Grandma, what did you think about my new boyfriend? Baby, he ain't no good for you. He ain't got nothing good in his heart for you. And I can tell you what he's after. Grandma, you say that to all of them. No, no. There'll come a time when I agree. But your grandmama been around in life, and I know what I see. He's not a bad boy, but he's not what you want. See what I mean? And so we sometimes don't know patience, like that granddaughter who's 15 or 16 years old. 
And we don't bring the grant that we don't bring the boy home no more. I'm not saying me, I'm a man, but I'm just saying her. And we do our own thing. Then you got news for grandma that you just been trying to hide for the last two months, but you're putting on a little weight. And you go to grandma to tell her. And before you open your mouth, grandma tells you, I already know what you're coming here to tell me. I daggone near knew it from the moment of conception because I know how you were running. Coming home, can't look me in the eye, feeling guilty. Coming home, jumping in the shower immediately when I know that you just wash your hands and want to eat. Them things that tell me something. <laughs> you see what I mean? It's that thing. It's that thing. Simply deep. And if there's anybody I've been missing, it's because I've just been kind of, I didn't even see Tracy Harris when she came in. Lance Giver, I think that we jump into relationships too fast is because that a lot of us are not used to being alone. Our biggest mistake is not detoxing from the last relationships and not waiting. You're right. I've been guilty of that in my lifetime. I've jumped into things that I should have jumped into. We need to learn how to be alone for a while before we jump into another relationship. And, and I have to say that, you know, it, it may not be a direct thing, but like when you see all that artwork that I've done or me working on a website, where, you know, it's not because I'm with somebody that, oh, okay, he can do that. I've always been that way. Even from single digit ages, young teens, when I want to stay in and draw my pictures when I was younger and do my book reports and stuff, like we would do book reports, right? And you know how sometimes you can look in the inner leaf of, of the book cover that tells you everything. You just switch around the words and hand it in. No teachers are smarter than that. I don't know how they're going to handle AI these days, but you know, back in the day it was obvious. And um, I always would do a, a real good, <clears throat> excuse me, book, book report. I take pride in writing and penmanship and all that stuff. People don't believe me, but they're like, they, when they see me, it's like, Oh damn. And um, the thing is, I would always take pride and drawing a book report cover. I mean, straight up detail. It's back in the 70s. And there's another brother or two in the class that we, we were kind of like competing with each other. And we would always get, you know, good marks for it. But one thing for me, my writing was always good. Where, where there was one of them whose writing wasn't good, but he had artistic ability. And he was mad when he didn't get over and get a high mark like I did. But it's a book report. Don't focus on the cover. You know, you got to be the real thing first. And this is a lot of us out in the world. We pre pretend to be something that we're not. And then when you dig below the surface, we're not that. You see? You know? And you got to be careful in random hookups these days, Simply Deep 1985. I mean, ain't no mm, random hookups. Woo! That's like Russian roulette. That's even worse. There's not just one bullet in the chamber. There's six of them in there or five with one. <laughs> no way. Pow. You don't want that. Mm. STDs and sexually or spiritually transmitted demons. Can't, can't, can't miss. Yeah, Master Glam. Many pretend because they don't know who they are. And if it's a time... Look, 
people not knowing who they are and entering a relationship is like you buying a car that doesn't have a user's manual, an owner's manual, excuse me. You better know how to take care of that bad boy. And if a person can't tell you what they are, what their temperament is, what pisses them off, what they won't tolerate, what they like, what their goals are, what their lifestyle is, whatever age you've been on this planet, you are the only one who are going to be with you every second, minute, hour, day, week, month, year, decade. From the moment you were born, you were with you. Unless you were like traveling out your body or something, even then you were still with you because your body's just a lump of flesh. This is our vehicle while we're here. But you are with you and you need to know yourself better than anybody else. Okay. It's trial and error. You know, we learn things through experiences from our single digit ages and teens and a little bit of our early 20s and going. But once you're 40 years old, you ain't got no damn mistake. Or you ain't got no damn uh, excuse for any mistake after that concerning you not telling what you're all about. You done test drove yourself all these years, not even 40, 30, 25, when your brain finally fully develops. 25 years, give or take. You mean to tell me you don't know what your intentions are? You, 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 you turned your head to certain things? Because the dick was good. Come on. Admit it to yourself. Be real. That's the only reason why I haven't lost my mind in this life because I've been real with myself. Even when I made bad judgments and had to endure it, I was like, okay, I'm suffering because of what I allowed. We have to have a sense of accountability for something. Because lots of times we meet somebody and when they we talk about their breaking up with somebody, it's always the other person's fault. You got something to do with it too. Unless it's something where it's abusive, where they're putting their hands on you, stuff like that. And now there have been some cases now. I've met women just on a conversational level, like even driving the bus or just living life, where they tell you that. You come to find out they've been, they cheated on their man two or three times and he got pissed off. Now that's no reason to put your hand on a woman. You just leave. But you left that part out. And that man was hurt. And you've been doing it. I'm not saying all women, but I'm just saying that we can't take the story on the surface all the time. Doesn't mean you're going to say, well, I don't believe you. I have to do my own investigation. But notice this is how we tell our stories most of the time. Me, myself, I'm going to tell you what it is. I'm going to tell you everything. We've had some conference calls and I just had to say everything. And when we do those in the future and I speak about my past, I'll tell you the dirt that I did, what I did wrong, what I did right. Because I have a lot of time to meditate. When I put these shows together, work on my graphics, study things, do my artwork and write, sit in here, play a little song, kick back in the chair and look up at the ceiling and reminisce about times. I'm still learning from things that I've been through even 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 25 years ago. God, dog, I can say it like that. There's people here not even 25 years. I said 25 years ago. <laughs> Dang. I love it. Yeah. People are nosy so they can delay you spiritually. There's a lot of that. Oh, that's a topic right there. Oh, it hits me like a, like a happy body blow. Boom, boom, boom. Like, oh, man. 
I got to keep my honest chat room. Ah. Uh. Yeah, it makes them think they're grown. Look it up. Yeah. I don't know why the legal age is 18, Master Glam says. It makes people think they're grown. You're not. You're still a baby. Exactly. I had a, what was it, 15 and a half, 16 years old, to, about to have a baby in a situation ship that I was in. They tell me, I don't know where your mama got you from. Nigga, you can suck my pussy real quick. That's what she said. I could not believe it. Not even 18, which don't mean nothing, but 16. Oh, really? Wow. A lot of the people now that are younger because of social media, they really think they're grown because they're they're seeing a lot and they're 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 being how can I say it? Engineered and, and programmed and it's crazy. Not even just over here in the motherland, because it's a different culture, but it's going on here too, big time. But you can have a 15 year old. Look at a 50-year-old like a potential mate. Just because you didn't watch a few little clips on you porn and some drama stuff and you in grown folks business and you think you grown because your little estrogen shot out in your body and gave you little titties that are plump and little hips that you didn't have last winter. Throw a little makeup on. You know you hide the clothes over by your girlfriend's house because your mama won't let you have those things. And now you'll walk out in the street looking for the attention. Cars honking horns. Working like tag teams. Girl, what, what did he look like? He looked good. You better talk to him if he drive back around. Could you imagine? And on the way out, I'm going to tell you a very, um, yeah, simply deep with the dirty talk. They hot out the ass these days. You're right, Master Glam. I know what that. <laughs> and no matter what we tell our children, they follow what they follow. What we do. So if you jump from man to man, your daughter will do the same thing too. Damn Skippy. Damn Skippy. It's crazy. Wow, full legal capacity from the age of sixteen. Damn, that's a disaster. Full legal capacity. Going to tell you what they do, but they better get on out there if they want to be rebellious. Like I said, I'm all for youngsters staying into adulthood, into the home, if they will use it properly to go into their own. That's what the Jews do. They ain't going to have you out there working on a job for somebody else. That's almost an embarrassment to them. They have to groom you to go into your own, to be empowered. You're right, that demonic sex energy. Yes. That was told to me many times. Yep. But I mean, if I went off and did something <laughs> you know what I mean? and smacked their head on the swivel, mm -mm, ain't going to do that. But I remember driving the dollar van and to explain, it's like a trotro. It's a van. And brief history, back in 1979, there was a bus strike. There were no buses. 
in many parts of the outlying areas of New York City it was a two fare zone, meaning you had to pay for the bus and then, and then give them the train to go into Manhattan. There were jobs all over the city, but Manhattan was the epicenter of most jobs of where most people went to back in those days. A little different now, but pretty much still the same. So when the buses went on strike, the people way out in Queens and way out in Brooklyn didn't have a way to get from where they were to the train to take the train ride to go all the way into Manhattan. So a lot of people would drop their family to the train station. But then they see a neighbor. Where are you going to the train? Yeah. Can I hop in with you? Sure. I'll give you the dollars to the bus. And so this thing caught on. So you saw cars and vans and during the strike. And when the strike was over, people still did it because the buses were slow. The buses didn't see you three, to, three, three blocks down and turn and pick you up in the rainstorm. That's what we did. Hence the dollar vans. So, of course, after a while, it's more to, sto- more to the story. Old Sir Lance got his van, got the pretty rims on it. Sir Lance written across the back, the long antenna with the CB radio on the front. It said Candy Man. I had candy in the front, little plastic bowl, double-sided tape to the front with good music. Washed the vehicle every day, driving it, part of the subculture. All the other guys out there doing it, we knew each other. If one had to go and do something, they'd let the other one hold their van. It was that kind of trust. It was, it was lovely. I haven't even gotten into that phase of my life yet, those couple of years when I drove in the streets. I got a ton of stories. Y'all like, damn, like you never had. <laughs> that deserves its own channel. If I was in New York City, I would be out there, even though it's still kind of going on, but it's kind of out in that area. The people are still there. And I'd have the mic. Them people, that's the neighborhood I grew up into. We would be talking and talking. I'd just walk with the microphone and the camera. You would be entertained. Whenever I go to New York City, I'll probably be up there two weeks, three weeks, maybe. I'll take three or four days and just be out there. You know how much footage I'll get? I'll go by the train station when they jump out. There. Oh, my God, Sir Lance. They'll be lined up. I wouldn't have to say nothing. Tell, tell them one of the stories from back in the day. Did he tell you when so-and-so, when he knocked that guy out, or when he did this, when he did that? <laughs> Anyway, I went up, this was a Saturday, and the end of the route was 165th Street, which a lot of guys didn't want to go all the way down there because it took up too much time for the rush hour. But on on the weekends, you park up, people come in, they know your van, you're a neighborhood fixture. People knew me from growing up in that neighborhood, so they trusted me beyond measure. The dope dealers, the housewives, you know, the city workers, everybody. See? Yeah, that's the candy. (laughs) <laughs> oh, y'all again, you're going to rag me on that, right? <laughs> One of the couple of the African drivers say, I know why you, I know why you call yourself the candy man, because all of the girls want to come into the van with the dark windows so you can give them the candy. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's a little truth to that, but moving along with this story, um, there was a woman who Looked to be maybe close to 50. She was definitely a Caribbean woman. I think she was from Jamaica, but it could be Trinidad. I don't know. She didn't say much. Now, my windows in my van, and like I said, the neighborhood trusted me, so it wasn't anything where it's too dark in there. I grew up with a lot of people, knew the families and stuff, so they were tinted from the factory. 
And then I slapped on the darkest tin on there. I just like that. Because when I would do, do solo jobs, like chauffeuring around somebody to Atlantic City for the weekend or we're going somewhere and I don't want to go into the party they're going into, I would stay out in the van. Nobody would see me back there laying down asleep, you know? So, um, but they trusted me. So this lady had about maybe four heavy bags, four bags of, of, of food. This was a Saturday afternoon. So there are a lot of people that went out shopping or maybe worked on Saturday and brought home some stuff. They're going to cook for their family at church on Sunday morning. And, um, you know, they're getting ready. So she was a real short woman, dark glasses, sunny out there early, but she still kept the glasses. And um, she went, good evening, driver. And she went straight to the back because I had a Chevy Astro van. And other than myself, it had where you can carry seven passengers, one in the front next to me and two bench seats, which held three each, three, three, and seven. A uh, three, three, and one is seven and me. I can't count me. I'm the driver. I'm eight. But it was dark back there. So she went into the back. I guess she didn't want people climbing over her to come in and get out. It was a spacious van, though. So she put the bags down on the floor. I guess she tied them up, put them down on the floor. And she kind of sunk down in the seat. And you didn't see her. But usually with the people after a while, I was doing this for a couple of years, I knew everybody stopped. 115, 116, Foch Boulevard, Linden Boulevard, 109, 111, whichever. And they knew. Sometimes they'd sleep on purpose. I know you got me, driver. I got to knock out. But she didn't intend to do that, but it happened. Because she, I know her for like being up early and late, and this lady works. So she's back there chilling. Now, more people came in. One person sat next to her, and I wasn't going to get a third for the back bench seat. I didn't mind losing the dollar. I don't want to have her sit straight up. I saw this. She's tired. Let her sit. Forget the dollar. I mean, I was making money out there big time anyway. I was getting it. So we start to move, creep down a little bit to where the crowns were on the same street. Just move up a little bit. And these three young ladies jumped in. In the second seat. In front of that last seat. It's already dark back there. It got dark by now. And so there was a dude sitting in the front that was cool with me. Never knew his name, but we would always talk and, hey, bro, good to see you, man. We got to hang out. Yeah, we got to hang out. We never hung out, but this, that's how we always ended our conversations because this was a cool dude. But he had his headphones on. And pretty much it seemed like everybody had their headphones on, except for the older woman who had the bags of food that she was going to go home and cook out of love. Because you could tell something about West Indian women who they work hard, but when they, they, they bring in that food home, that's like a celebration on that Saturday night or whatever and getting ready for Sunday. So you knew that's what it was. So she was getting her nap on before she went home to cook. So these three young ladies got on. Didn't look at him. I saw him with my peripheral vision. You know, I, I was protected. The neighborhood loved me. Sir Lance the Candyman. So I had some rap music playing low. I had one of the rap stations. 
it was, it was like uh, 98.7 at the time or 97.1. I think it was 97.1. I'm not sure if it's still around like that. So there was, was it Lil' Kim or something? Something really daring for that time. So the van was full except for the empty seat that I let her stretch out in. So it was time to go. I started driving. I started heading down toward Archer Avenue. Made a right on Archer Avenue to keep going down. We zigzag our way to the main route. Unless there was a special stop. Somebody wanted to get off on customized. We did that. So they bop into the music. Now they weren't really especially loud. They got loud later on. But I was kind of ear hustling. Not really, but you know, your ears are always open because you don't know if there's danger going to happen. People start fighting on the van or whatever, and they got a knife or something like that. You got to hit them brakes hard, jump out and, you know, deal with the situation. So here's the conversation that if you're kind of um, a little squeamish with adult words, then I have to say it this way so you can get the story. Because if you didn't hear the story before, it's going to shock you. So they all had mini skirts on. They, 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 the three of them had to be, I think one was like 15, 16, 17. I'll say that. Maybe two of them were 16. I don't know. But I know they were very young. And they weren't like had weight on them where, you know, some women get the boobies when they're younger and they really fill out when they're younger. I ain't looking at them like that. I'm just saying that's what happens. And you know, the older guys, they don't care. A titty's a titty. But they were slender, but you could tell that they were getting shapes. And so one girl, one of them, talked, and as they talked, I began to understand that two out of the three were sisters. Okay. And there's one that's a friend, a very close friend. And the two sisters were saying to the friend who lived around the corner down the block close by, here we go. I'm going to kind of channel their energy for you. So I'm going to use some profanity. Damn, girl, I'm so glad I got your motherfucking ass as a friend, because you know what? We could be hanging like, out like, like we doing shit with mommy, the way she's strict. Girl, for real, mommy real strict. She be watching all the shit we got. We used to hide shit between the mattress. Gold and clothes, you know, things our older boyfriends give us. And she bust us all the time asking us where we got it from. And we said, well, you you gave it to us because, you know, it was a hand-me-down type thing. But we never mentioned men. And that's why we keep all, them, all our motherfucking clothes by you. Well, don't worry about it. I got y'all. Y'all my hoes. Y'all my bitches. I got y'all. Girl, I don't know. But you know that motherfucking Cleo want me to go out with him tonight, right? And I can use you as an alibi, but I really want to go by Kenny. Well, why don't you go with Kenny then? I don't know. Cleo got the money, but Kenny got the dick. And I got that motherfucking open. He really going to leave his wife for me. That nigga think I'm like 20 years old. I'm 15 years old. But yo, when I suck that dick, that nigga toes me going like an amusement park. And I, girl, and high fives. What the hell am I listening to? Yeah, but you know what happened two weeks ago? I almost got motherfucking busted. What happened, girl? I ain't tell you. I had Kenny come over in the house. 
Because, you know, daddy live in Brooklyn. He don't really be coming around and shit. And, you know, mommy got to get up to go to church. And I told her I was going to be studying all night for Monday. We got a test. So she said, OK, I might not let you go to church. But Kenny dropped me home early. And when I knew she was sleeping, I slipped that nigga up in the house with me. Ain't nothing like getting that good dick in your own bed. <laughs> yeah, I heard y'all in the room. I wanted me some, too. That was the sister. But mommy got up and knocked the door. Kenny was in the bed with me. We forgot. That nigga jumped up under the bed so fast. And mommy was like, when I go, I left some food for you. So and so and so. Now, I'm, why am I saying all of this? Why am I saying? And I can go along because the, the ride was a lot longer with the red lights and the traffic. They talking about how they sucking dick, swallowing cum, you know, licking booty. They turning these niggas out, 15 different dudes. And so they were evidently going to their friend's house. Because the friend was like, you getting over here? No, 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 we ain't getting over here. We going to go down there with you like two blocks down. So the lady in the back, driver, 116. Music was playing, the girls were talking. I heard it because I got that kind of hearing. I said, okay. I pulled over on Lincoln Street in 116th Avenue in South Owens Old Park, Queens. Those who know it, know it. And the lady kind of stepped over the guy that sat next to her, but you know, there was an extra space, so I let her stretch out and sleep. And she took her bags. The, you know, the door opened. I had a little thing to push the door open, automatic. The lady took her bags of food and tossed them out on the sidewalk. She had juice that broke in the bags, juice all over the sidewalk, glass, ketchup. And why'd she have to have the ketchup in the bottle? The bottle broke, looked like blood all over the place. All kind of Korean stuff. You know, when I was young and before I knew what it was, I used to say, man, all them Jamaican ladies, Caribbean ladies going in, they be buying these hairy rocks. <laughs> all the hairy rocks rolling all over the place, coconut and everything. And I'm like, what is this lady doing? Has she lost her mind? And the girls were looking at the groceries roll out. And when the woman stepped out, they didn't notice her. The lady balled up her fist and punched one of the girls in the mouth hard. And she leapt up on the seat and grabbed the other girl and yanked her wig off. And she said, I sit back there and I listen to you the whole time. I didn't raise you to be that way. That was their mama the whole time. Yes, they didn't know. She snatched their clothes and whatever and said, wherever you got that horror, horror-like outfit, you better go. You mean, and it was the stepdaddy that lived in Brooklyn, but the real father died. And, and your father worked so hard until he had a stroke and then he had a heart attack and then he died. And I held it together for so long. And your stepdaddy has helped me so much. I worked two and three jobs for so many years and so many things that I could have done. And this is what it turns out to. 
I pay for you to go to Catholic school, not because I want you to be a Catholic, but I don't want you in these public schools. Then it hit me. I know them girls. No makeup, Catholic dress on, looking all innocent. But they had the makeup, titties pushed up, eyeliner. They were wearing big ass, big ass eyelashes before they was in style. And now you're out here telling me how you're sucking dicks for money. And you had the nerve to bring men into my house I worked so hard for. Three times I almost lost that house to foreclosure. And I prayed to the Lord and I worked the fourth job. They let me sleep on the fourth job. I sat there. I couldn't even say, miss, I got to go. I, I, after hearing that, I finished the route. I dropped them off. Usually on a Saturday night, I'd work all the way through to like, because I'm hanging out now. There's one big hangout. If I had a camera there or a microphone, the conversations, forget the bus, the dollar van back in the 90s in New York City. 50 Cent rode in my van before 50 Cent was 50 Cent. I didn't know who it was. The Lost Boys, the rappers, all these different people that, and the conversations. That was a golden time. I, I got to dedicate one night out of the week to talk about me driving that van in South Jamaica, Queens, and Ozone, Ozone Park, Richmond Hill, all of them areas. There'll be many people who will come forth. They'll be like, yo, you know, because I, I wasn't shaving my head then. But I knew I knew you. <laughs> and I got a call. Maybe I make a separate page or maybe I'll call them, call the actual. I don't want to make no separate page, but Sir Lance, the dollar van driver from Sutton Boulevard. So many people are going to see that and they're going to chime in. I guarantee you. Ah, oh, yes, Master Glam. Because they, they were giving a tutorial about how, how to suck a dick. They would get, hmm. I'm like, how do you know them tricks? Ain't no young girl supposed to know that. No, I wasn't getting turned on or nothing like that. I'm just saying, like, what the hell? I mean, I've heard that driving the bus in Orlando, Florida. But they got, they went in. And they were getting money, and these guys were falling in love with them, and they were playing these guys. But, you know, Catholic school, girls by day. Whatever, whatever you want to call them by night. And they were on, they weren't like amateuristic. They were like hardcore, you know, I mean, we've always had prostitutes in our neighborhood. And, you know, and I'm not saying in my neighborhood like that right on my street, but we knew where it was like a mile away. But I mean, all of us know where that area is. And we've all talked to prostitutes. I mean, in passing in the super, yeah, I know what she do. And they're just like anybody else. They just chose to do that for whatever reason. Remember, I drove them strippers around in those dollar van days, out for a month, going up and down the East Coast. And I done been through some sugar, honey, iced tea. I guess at this point in my life, it's my job to tell these stories, right? But I couldn't believe it. When she said, I didn't raise you to, because I didn't know why this lady was hitting them. Hitting these girls. I didn't raise you to be that way. I'm like, oh my God, that's their mother. She was crying. And as she walked away, she kicked the ketchup broken bottle, kicked the hairy rocks of things that Jamaican ladies get when they're in the Korean market. Rice all over the place. But it was going to eat good that night. 
Dude sitting up in front of me and say, man, I ain't got too much in my fridge. I might have to come up and scoop up some of them things that ain't break. <laughs> I came back and most of it was gone. Somebody came out and got a lot of that stuff. Uh, and the look of defeat on their faces. They were like deflated balloons. Just sitting there looking at each other. One had the face scratched up. One was punched up. One all her braids shooting all over the place because the woman snatched the wig off. And the friend, she got the friend too. I didn't tell all the dialogue. And what kind of friend are you to facilitate my daughters to do this? You're a whore too, and I should smack you too. And I'm going to tell your mother when I get home. I'm like, oh man, this is not over yet. <laughs> no, I'm not laughing, but I'm laughing. I'm laughing because they should have done their mother. They didn't know, but they still should have been doing that because they were bragging and high-fiving it. How they, you know, the mother sleeps upstairs. They sleep upstairs. One of the sisters would look out while one dude is in the living room with the, you know, they had tricks. And, you know, most women who are working hard like that, when they're home, they sleep. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're asleep and, and, and they're predictable. Oh, she never comes down here this time of night. If you hear her, she'll just go into the bathroom up there. It's predictable. I've been in similar situations, but not with some underage chick. You know what I mean? But yeah, that's funny. That is funny. Careful when you're telling your stuff. I'll never forget that. And I'm going to tell it again in a separate video so it can float out there by itself. I didn't raise you to be that way. It told me everything. That was the punchline. I didn't even have to say it was their mother. You, Master Glam already knew before I said the punchline. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Especially when they were speaking about their advanced sexual know-how. You know, most men, you know, when you sucking them off, they like to see them titties pushed up. So, you know, I got this bra that pushed my titties up. They go from a B cup to looking like a D. Plus, you know, I got this little oil I rub on it with a little glitter on it. And that man be looking and he be paralyzed. Just crazy stuff. Like, oh, my God. And they got a little louder. But I kind of forgot that they got louder, but the mother was back there. And when I, then I felt bad when I realized she was back there. I looked in the rear view. I said, oh, man, she's back there hearing this. But they didn't hear her because I had the music playing. And when she got off, I noticed she had the glasses on. And then she took them off as she was getting out. She had the bags. The other man in the back handed the bag. Was, she just tossed the bags took the glasses off, put it in her coat pocket, and she was straight crying. Her, her, her eyes were as red as these little red lines on his banner. I'm like, I didn't smell no weed. <laughs> it's like she was smoking. I've been smoking. I've been smoking to the east. I've been smoking to the west. I thought she was smoking. But her daughters were stroking in her house, bold with it. Oh, God. Let's take a moment of silence on this. <laughs> the mother. Those daughters, when I would see them waiting for the real bus, whatever bus, it was like, you know, one bus stop had multiple reasons. Like the school Catholic bus, I guess, came through there. The regular bus came through there. The dollar vans came through there. And when they saw my van, they had their books across their chest and they, they just looked down. They remembered me. They won't forget. 
wherever they are in the world, they won't forget. Maybe one day they'll hear this story and they'll remember. They'll come and chime in. Yes, Lance, I remember. <laughs> Do you remember the times of your life? <laughs> ah, We all have embarrassing moments. I'm going to do a show on embarrassing moments. And I'll tell a few of mine. <laughs> Reese, I grew up in New York City. I was nosy. I had to be around, you know, just, just New York City in that era. Look at my energy now at 60 years old, sitting down behind a microphone. So back then, I was a busybody. Like I said, people used to think I was sniffing coke. Yo, your boy, man, he too hype, man. You know, he's hype, you know, but I saw him by himself. That nigga walking all fast and... I took care of myself. Y'all saw what I look like. I took care of myself. You know? <laughs> Master Glam, I think you're right. <laughs> I found my calling, right? <laughs> well, not a calling, but something that I do is I, I, I love doing this as a hobby and, you know, on the good sides of just sharing stuff and letting people come in and share their wisdom and having good interviews and stuff like that. But you know, a lot of people have many stories, but they don't tell them. They don't want to tell them. They may not be able to tell them the right way. They shy away from that. I talk to a lot of people who have some very interesting and funny, some funny stories. But yeah, I think, I think I'm kind of made for this. And I say that in a very humble way. I say it in a humble way. Because from single digit ages, my father showing me around the city and telling me to deal about things. And my mother taking me around to the distinguished people. With her rehearsals and her, you know, higher ups, even though she was down to earth. You know what I mean? So, yeah. In 60 years, ain't no joke. I did 38 years in New York City to me in the best times of New York City. New York City is not what it used to be. It's not what it used to be. The society, the culture, the world is not what it used to be. You can speak your mind. Let me tell you something. I'm paling. I'm telling the stories, but what about the people that I've seen that are straight characters? Characters. Colorful characters. And they weren't ashamed to be who they were. There were no restrictions. There was nothing called politically correct. Straight characters. And every single, you're right, mixed genre phase. Every single phase of my life is always, I've always been around a lot of people. Exposed to a lot. I'm telling you a story about these two. Yo, I punched Michael Rockefeller in the head. I mean, who does that? <laughs> I ain't going to say that too loud. Yo, Lance ain't do no show in about a whole week. Hope nothing happened to him. <laughs> Oh, but every phase of my life has been around a lot of people and I have the ability to absorb it. Oh, Kevin just text me. Let me see something. What did he say? He's laughing. What are you laughing? Did you listen to the story, Kevin? Ah, he's, oh no, that's, that's, uh, that's Tracy. Wait a second. Let me go back. Let me see what he said. Okay. I think he's getting tired. Okay. Yeah, he sent me some messages and whatnot. Yo, Kevin, if you're, let me just tell him to, 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 to come into the chat room. Let me just tell him. Why am I phone acting up? Old Chinese phone. Phone freezing up. 
You see, okay. Come on, phone. All right. Yo, Kev, come into the chat room, man. I'm still live. Come into the chat room. Now, you want to have him tell you some stories about me. He got some stories that we got to have a super private conference to talk about. <laughs> uh, I don't even think he's going to say it. He might be too shy to say those things. Now, he's always innocent. He wasn't wild like me, but he was, he, he's been around me, you know, and I wasn't recklessly wild like some person out of my mind, drinking and drugging, never did the drinking and drugging thing. I, I, I would sip something every now and then, like Fuki Plum Wine, and it was only for special occasions, you know. You all know what those special occasions were. That might have been like twice a year, a little bit, you know. Ah, oh, what's that? Um... Which picture are you talking about? The Photoshop one. Oh, you mean the muscle picture? Riri, is that what you're talking about? Oh, no. Oh, no, no. Ke Kevin can say, because he was training too at one point. And he, you know, decided it wasn't for him. He got into boxing. But um, he could tell you, you know, he could tell you. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, he's tired. He's tired. He's on the ropes. <laughs> That's a joke that we have, boxing talk. Like when you're on the ropes and the opponent's beating you and they're going to stop the fight soon, well, that means he's tired. I made that up like about 40 years ago, man. I'm going home. I'm on the ropes. <laughs> Let me just tell him. Listen, go, go to sleep, man. We'll talk tomorrow. I'm just telling some crazy stories I wanted you to sign off on. All right? So I'm going to listen to those messages. I'm still live. I'll talk to you tomorrow in the morning. He'll probably wake me up. I'm like, wait a second. I'm four hours ahead of him, and he's the one falling asleep. It's 10, 11 over there. And I was just going to do an hour. Look at that. It's almost two. You know how I do. Oh, no, I know, I know you know it's real. I know you know it's real. I just have so many other magazines that I'm in, old magazines that I have to find and order, and they're hard to get type stuff, and there's a lot of great pictures out there. Many uh, photographers, like, you know, people that we knew. There's one that I met again. I think he's in the Caribbean. No, no, no. He's in the West Coast or in the Caribbean, between both places. He's an older guy now. Um, but there's a photographer that he's probably not with us, Sidney Resende. He has a lot of great photos of me that, you know, they, he'd bring a few. You buy a few. You wait a little bit because they were expensive at that time because this was like really great, clear photos. There's a photo that if you saw it, you would swear it's photoshopped. <laughs> There's a couple of them, but that period of my life, that's what it was. And, um, you know, Simply Deep 1985, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Let me see. I'm, I'm kind of staring because I'm kind of far away from the thing. I will always love your observation about certain things, even though whatever I bring up can be off and unrealistic. No, 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 no. We all got our style. You know what I mean? I get along with everybody. Once I get the rhythm, it's just like boxing, right? When you fight an opponent, we're not fighting. We're just saying when you fight an opponent for the first time, and it was a struggle, but you beat him, the second time you fight him, you already know his style and rhythm, and you just go right into it. You might knock him out early. So once I learn a person's style, their rhythm, <clears throat> I never forget it. And I can use that for some crazy stories or other things. But I I'm a sponge that way, you know? I'm a sponge. What she say? You look like a statue. So chiseled. You should have been. Getting... <laughs> Thank you. 
Thank you so much. Thank you so much. There are a lot of guys that look good too. Um, but there are a lot of guys that I competed against on drugs. And and I worked so hard. I did, I, I busted I, I, I busted my behind. I had something to prove. I've always been that way. Like I said, when I was in um, junior high school and I got the school record of 1,630 sit-ups, the, the year before I did 75, and they laughed at me. I was like, okay, I'm taking this year. And that was, that was in middle school, <clears throat> 77, 78. That's, that's the cycle way I get sometimes when I get focused. I zone out. Like today I zoned out and, and you know, recorded that. I didn't know it was going to come. I just started. I said, I'm going to record something. Bang! And I just started. And I, I set up Seven's, you know, program. I said I was going to put it up a little earlier, but I actually woke up a little later. I got to be driven on something, even if it's making you all laugh or, or, or artwork or whatever. I spend a lot of time to myself. I mean, even before I started doing this stuff online, when I was just drawing, you know, I mean, when I got online, I was drawing, but I started doing it a little bit before then because when I got into corrections in Florida, working the night shift, I saw a paper bag and a pen and my buddy that I was working with was sleeping with his mouth open. So I drew him like that <laughs> and left it for the next shift. <laughs> so I was like, this is what you do at night. And we started debating about different things, you know, social things, religious things, political, racial things with mixed crowds. And I know I can handle myself verbally, but I'm not going to yell over anybody. So I would settle my part of the debate with a, with a sketch, a quick one. But it still came out good because they're arguing. I'm still sketching, sketching. And after a while, they're like, Lance, what do you got for us? We know you're over there drawing something. I'd hold it up. Like, yo, we can't argue at that point. And then I realized the power of the pen. And so wherever I went, wherever I worked in the jail, if I worked in a new area, the myth was, I'm going to draw the person I'm working with. So some people would see me and take one of the inmates' towels, not the inmate, but the fresh towels, and put it over their head. Or I had supervisors walking with their hands up. <laughs> you know, it was a jail-wide thing. Until now, people wanted me to sketch them because they were honored. You're nobody until Lance's, Lance sketches you. You know what I mean? So it got to that point. So I would sketch people. There's one guy who's about to re retire. What was his name? Short, Woody. Woody, a short white man. I caught him good. I got all his mannerisms good. Everybody wanted to make a copy of that. They, they, they were legitimately, even the captain of the whole jail. Say, Lance, if you get me, don't make my nose too big. She was a white lesbian. And it was just so funny. It was like, you know, it brought everybody together. Even though there's a lot of hate between the officers and whatnot. That's what I did. It was fun. I did my job, but, you know, if you work with me, I'm going to get you and turn you into a cartoon. I did the same thing with all my junior high school teachers, too. I call it middle school, the places. You know, in the yearbook, it was, uh, it was 78. And I, I had a two-page spread in the yearbook. They gave it to me, just like Lance. You got two pages to draw whatever you want. I told him, I said, listen, I'm going to get every teacher that I have and other ones. There was an old teacher, he used to box. I drew him as a boxer. Um, I drew one as a Martian. There was one fat one that did me wrong. Mr. Rosenberg, I'll call his name out. See, I, 
Kanye West wasn't the only one having problems problems with them people. <laughs> yeah. I drew it wasn't a mural like from head to toe, like from, from the ceiling to the floor. It was poster paper. I'd say like about four and a half feet by four and a half feet. That big. The whole year I drew different periods in history, like Egyptian. And I, I drew the I, I drew the detail, man. They gave me time even during the school time to draw these things because it was only there. You know, the, some, sometimes I take it home on the weekend. And we put off all six of them up and the people like, whoa. I don't know, but I'm going to have to, I'm going to try to call that school tomorrow because that was like, it's old now. Maybe they took them and put them in plastic or shrink wrapped them somehow or whatever. But I never got them back. I was going to get extra points on my mark for doing that because it was for history. That joker failed me. And I was passing everything. My parents were so upset. But they wanted to take those home. And I was like, listen, it's better to leave them up there for the rest of the students in the years to come. That's the way I was thinking. Why do all that art and then take it and put it somewhere where you, you know. But that was on the level of what I can do now detail wise. But it was so much bigger. And that thing hurt. <laughs> And I remember while I was drawing those, I know in 76, one of my favorite albums was Dr. Bazan's original Savannah band, Shisha La Femme, Sour and Sweet, and all the songs on there. Even the second album that they say bombed, and even the third album in 1980. But I remember in that time when I was drawing those murals, I used to play that song over and over. Tommy Matola lives down the road he lost his lady two months ago maybe he'll find her maybe he won't he sleeps in the back of his old gray cadillac <laughs> blowing his life on cheap grass and wine no ain't it crazy baby yeah that's the kind of music i was into jazz and good music yeah i loved all i loved the r&b for a very young person, I had a very classy taste of music, especially since I hung out with some older guys. I'm going to try to get my friend Angelo on tomorrow. He'll come on. He'll come on. Oh, we got some stories to tell you. <laughs> a couple I won't tell you about him. He might get embarrassed. <laughs> but I, I think he's cool. He, he, he's self-effacing. I spoke with him the other day. And that's the brother that I knew from 1969. 1969. I was what? Six years old? And he was 10? Yeah. That long. So there's someone that I knew for 54 years. I got to get him on. I got to get all my friends on so you, you all can get to know them so you know that I'm not making up stories and stuff like that. It's just that even from back then, like Angela, like I was like 21 years. I was like, Lance, you, you got to write a book, man. You've been through... Man, you've been through too so much. You gotta write a book. I can't. I can't write a book. There's too much. I need help. <laughs> I need another sixty years just to write the book of the sixty years. God, dog. Hmm. That's something.
Oh, Khadija, you love that song too? <laughs> Ghostface Killer. In the back of my van when I took them to the airport that day. I told you that one. But yeah, um, back in that day, famous people were accessible, walking down the street normal. Things were cleaner, even though crack came around in 83. But the 70s were a certain way, and, and crack was there, made for more stories. But I lived clean. It didn't affect me, except for my brother using it. And different. every household on my street was affected by it, whether the people were using it or selling it. There was a house up the block where there's this one woman was a daughter of this mailman. She started smoking it, and somehow she got her father to start smoking it. Unbelievable. There was always something in that household. There was another house across the street. That story there, the July 4th, 1994 story, whatever I talk about tomorrow, remind me that I'm going to tell you about that one. And I got to bring some backup on that one because they were there. (laughs) Oh, God. It was like out of a movie. I got to tell people these things. Got to. I can't hold them in. <laughs> well, anyway, y'all, I'm going to hit the sack. I'm going to hit the sack so I can get up and repeat the process. But I'm going to get up and get some sunlight first. Just switch it up some. Because when I got up, I was going to get some sunlight. Didn't go anywhere. I just went to the store a little while ago before I started, you know, by the mall. Came back because the power was out. So I said, let me make up for what I didn't do. Oh, you know I do. Or revealing risque stories, like what you mean, like famous people or something like that? You know? Um, yeah, and I could bring people in the vouch. And remember, a lot of my friends listen. They know, they've been there. Some stories they haven't been there for, but they knew my life. And all the while I lived clean, except for the promiscuous periods. You know? And I could have caught all kind of things and never did. I just don't understand that. You know. <laughs> no, I, I understand you. I understand you. Angie Global Network. I like the way she spelled work with the E. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're, we're wrapping it down soon. But yeah, it's just, you know, I, I have to thank the creator for an amazing life. And it's so much more, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got some stories make you run out the room. (laughs) I got some stories I don't even want to remember. (laughs) We got to do that one on the daggone uh, conference call. (laughs) I can't do that. YouTube will shut me down. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But also I have the ability to observe things, see things that other people don't see. I mean, I can't see through a wall, but just being comfortable with human nature and figuring things out. And people are relaxed around me. That's the thing. The things that have happened that I've been invited into or whatever, they were cool because they're like, oh, man, you're chill. We like you. Just different. It's like a spiritual thing, too. And really and truly, I think that maybe I was meant to do this. And I can't say my whole life was just for YouTube that didn't exist, but really just to express yourself. Because a lot of my friends like, man, you should write a book. Like my friend Kevin there, he'll tell you. Jack Griffin, he'll tell you. Angelo Bishop, I'll tell you, say his name. He'll tell you. And a host of other ones. 
Carlos, Fat Ty. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I still got Rumble. Actually, we're, we're live on Rumble now. Let me check. It should still be going. You know, let me, let me, let me check. Yeah, wait now. Okay. Like when you don't, like when you have the screen of Rumble up and you're not watching it for a long time, it kind of times out. You got to click the little diamond in the middle. Yeah, it's still, it's still going on now. Yeah. Just for backup, go there and subscribe. You know, I'm going to put up the same shows. Sometimes I might miss or sometimes maybe something short or an upload. Like the one I, one I had about uh, Black Masculinity, um, the ex- expiration date. I got to upload that one. Let me check. A lot of times they go up automatic. All the things that I live stream go up automatic, but sometimes the ones that are uploaded, you got to upload it over there. Let me check my content over there. I'm, I'm getting used to... Um, oh, okay, Black, Black Manhood did upload over there. Okay. Sometimes it's a delay. If I put it up on YouTube, it may take a couple of hours, but when it's live, it's like happening at the same time on a slight delay. And that's good backup. Like I said... Now I can have Irritated Genie on. I, I reached out to him, but he didn't get back to me. But I'm going to reach out to a lot of people like Dr. B. Serious and, and suggest people. Everybody else is inviting people on. We can do it too. We've been doing this. I've been doing it from years ago. want to do more of that like we used to. Right? But I want to get back more into that. It's not just about my stories. I want to bring in everybody. So if you got time when you want to come on in or whatever, fine. It's open. There's no ego here. I want brilliant people on. I want, I want the comedians on. I want people to tell, tell the real stories. They can be young, old, whatever. You know? And y'all know I don't get down with the homo business, but I had some intellectual gay guests that came on years ago. We had a, 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 a respectable debate. But it still went off the chain. <laughs> Later on, it's still kind of, you know, because I'm not pushing that. But I will sit down and talk with anybody. If we can learn how people think who come from different worlds, and we can draw the line respectfully. And, 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 you know, but I ain't promoting something I don't believe in now. But I will talk to anybody. I ain't talking to no pedophiles, though. I'll tell them, yeah, meet, meet me over here, so-and-so-and-so. And so. I'll beat their ass on camera. <laughs> oh, I forgot I left this comment up. And there's always somehow, some way where I have a reason to show the picture. <laughs> I'm getting tired of these pictures, y'all. I need more pictures. <laughs> I need more. As well as my body look, man, I, I was so into training, I forgot to go to the barber that day. Look at that. Jacked up afro. Sideburns, too. And what kind of expression was that? I don't know. I was so ripped up, my butt was ripped, and I still had butt. <laughs> That's crazy. But that's what it is. But I don't want to be that old man with two pictures talking about what I did 40 years ago, 41 years ago. I got to get some more pictures and I got to get current to look as good as I can at this particular point. Because I'm not lying to myself and I know I could be 75% of that. But it would really take not as much training because I know how to do it without having to bust my ass like that. And there's no drugs in that body. That's all natural. Man, I have nightmares about the hard work that I did back then. Not really. I loved it. 
I knew how to hypnotize myself and manipulate my mind and instill eating very lean, lower calories and super clean food. And, and then me and my crew, Michael, Manny, Joey, we were in it. I was psycho with me. Michael and I was psycho with it. We took it the furthest, you know, but I, I was, I was gone. I was in it. I mean, there were times when mm, I was a robot back then. I was a straight robot programmed and learning about the body and, and, and just training, riding the bike, running, posing, practicing the, um, the choreography and everything. I had magazine articles written up on me. I have to find those. I don't want to talk about it. I want to show y'all. You know what I mean? I don't want to blah, 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 blah. Because people that don't know, they're like, hey, you lying. <clears throat> and even many of the um, websites that have the accomplishments of those days, they don't have everything. <laughs> they just got like a few. I'm like, this doesn't even represent me. Like one show from 1980, one, two or three from 82. I'm like, yo, I've been in a whole lot of competitions. What are you talking about? But there was no, I mean, it wasn't like I was Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, they got all his stuff. But who was I? You know, a local guy citywide guy, regional. Then I won that thing they call the Nationals, natural. So I guess really and truly I should have stopped after this as far as competition. Because I just burnt myself out after that. Got injuries and stuff like that. And training with guys that were using steroids, you know, and you try to keep up with them, they recuperate faster because they juiced up. You can't do it. I'd keep up, though. I gave them all the run for their money, not, not as far as the amount of weight, but, you know, being in shape, you know, not being winded, being lean, which is not good. You cannot be keep yourself extremely lean like that, which they call co contest comp uh, uh, competition shape. You can't walk around like that 24-7 unless you happen to be one of those guys genetically that are lean. You come from a family that's lean. That's like Mrs. Skirf. She's lean. Her family's lean. Her father was lean with muscles. See what I mean? That's genetics. But if you're not that, because you got different body types, endomorph, mesomorph, and ectomorph. Ectomorph is a high metabolism person that finds it hard to put on weight and put on muscle. Their training is a little different than the endomorph who, whatever they look at, they get big and fat but they can put on muscle fast. But to go into a competition, you got to really be meticulous with your diet. And then you have the mesomorph, who's ideal for bodybuilding because he's in the middle of all of that, but he can have tendencies of both. And it's really a challenge when you're that. You know what I mean? Because me personally, I, my, my frame was not set up for bodybuilding. I have a tremendous amount of physical flaws if you want to go to the highest levels. And I'm not taking drugs to cover those things up. But the naked eye and the untrained eye doesn't know that. You know what I mean? So I'll, I'll get into helping people with that stuff when I have more time. When I get up in the house, I have more time to get into a lot of things. Because that's like one of my first loves, boxing and bodybuilding. You know? <laughs> thank you, Riri. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord knows who's out there listening, right? <laughs> I, I wish sometimes, aside from us who are here, like I can get a screenshot of everybody who's watching the screen and what their faces look like. Nothing creepy. 
<laughs> you get curious sometimes, you know. <laughs> but listen, y'all, it's 2.33. I'm going to be here for a little while longer, winding down. I'm going to try to see how fast these downloads can go because sometimes they can trick you, you know, set some things off because, see, like, like when people like cook on Thanksgiving, which, you know, you know what the deal is with Thanksgiving, but when you're cooking and you have like four jets going and four pots on there, I like to leave my computers doing something when I'm sleeping. So if I download this particular show, it may take a couple hours, it may take 15 minutes. I don't know. Sometimes they're funny that way. Sometimes I got to wait a whole day before they allow me to download it. Sometimes five minutes go by. And once I download it, I can upload it to all the podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. That's, that's the stuff people don't see. And doing other things to it. There's like too much to mention here. Put it on the site a certain way. And whew, I love it though. Because that's just how I am. And I'm always excited to be here with you all. You know, if I ever knocked the guy out, yes. The first time I knocked the guy out was at the block party in the summer of 1978. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to bed too in a few minutes after this, Master Glam. 1978. His name was Barrington McDaniel. <laughs> he used to keep messing with me. I used to have these boxing gloves all the time with me, and there were guys from the other blocks that would come on the blocks and they'd box, and we'd all box and stuff like that. But he was a he was a guy who wasn't athletic, but he had so much mouth, and he was jealous that way. And I was in front of my friend's Carlos's house, and he was in the yard, and he got my face. The music was playing. It was a block party. All the girls were around. It was messed up. And he got my face, and I hit him with a right. And I remember he, he stood there for it. He didn't stand. He just, his eyes went up in his head, and he fell out. And my friend Carlos's father took the whole, um, the cooler, it had soda in there and water in there and ice and what it turned it over in his face to wake him up. <laughs> and the music stopped. And the guy across the street, Mr. King, he was a former big time drug dealer who settled down in Queens and, you know, he had his money and he was cool. But it was sad because he ended up being a crackhead eventually. Next door is where Barrington lived. Nobody was home except one brother. And so the brother said, hey, man, hey, man. The brother just got out of jail. I'm 15 years old. He said, man, he, he, he tricked me. Man, I'm glad you did that to my brother. I'm glad you did that to my brother, man. I wish some, man, he a pain in the ass to me and everybody. I'm glad. Come here, man. I got to shake your hand, man. I'm going to reward you, man, because you knocked my, my damn brother out. Come here, man. Come here, man. I'm like, huh? So I went around in his gate, opened the door. He walked to the back of the house. Yeah, man, I got this for you, man. I got some money for you. He reached in his pocket with the right hand, but he was in the kitchen. He pulled out a knife, a butcher knife, and I was already in the living room. Man, I cleared that couch like Usain Bolt, opened that door, and I was out. I don't think he was going to stab me up, but he showed me a lesson. Man, I ran to, yeah, this is a grown man, just got out of jail, all muscular. He had a high voice, though. And I, my parents weren't home. I ran up the block and we had a German shepherd and I went and got my knife too and took the German shepherd and locked myself down to the basement and I waited for my parents to go. <laughs> I ain't going to tell that one to make me look cool, but I did knock them out. I got a couple other knockout stories there when I was driving the van, but I'll tell those another time. 
But it wasn't like I was like just doing that because that gave me a reputation for a long time that nobody for a long time messed with me. I was 15 years old. Oh, you knocked him out. And then I got the big muscles after that. I was starting to get them, but that, that sealed it. He never talked to me ever again. And I saw him before I left to come out, to come down to uh, Florida. But I moved down in early 2001, but I think it was late 2000. The night before, I had a dream about him. It wasn't no malice or anything. And I saw him and I was like, Barrington, how you doing, man? I had a dream about you last night. He looked at me and just looked down and kept going. Did he think I was going to knock him out again? I don't know. Maybe he was too embarrassed about that. I don't know. But he still didn't like me. I was like, damn, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, Barrington, he might be listening. Who knows? Call in if, you, if you're out there. You know it's true. If you're lying, say it didn't happen. We got a block full of witnesses that were there that day. <laughs> All right, y'all. I'm going to sign off. You know what? I'm rambling. I know you all like that. I'm going to have a ramble show, just rambling from one thing to the next. Clearing out the mental cobwebs. No, they're not cobwebs. There's a lot of good memories and stuff, you know? I love it. <laughs> so let me get ready to get on out of here, play a little music. And um, it's been good. And we beat the power outage. It didn't stop us. So sometimes it'll be a little later, but I'll definitely come on. And um, it's all a beautiful thing. I love it. All right, y'all. Take care. Much love.
Let me play that one again since you said you liked it. Let me find it. Matter of fact, um, Master Glam, Sister Yala, Mix Faves, Mix Genre Faves. I'm going to give you all access to like tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of songs. I want you all to go through it. You can download as much as you want and um, pick the ones you want to have playing the show. Where is that now? Where, 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 where'd the song go? I just downloaded a crap load of them. Let me see. The name of that was 90s Wine by, it looks like Bagel, but it's not. It's B-A-E-G-E-L. 90s, number 90, with a little S and Wine by Bagel. I'm going to play that again. I ain't going to keep you all up. I just want to play a few different songs. I, I've been meaning to just download so many songs because I have a, I have a subscription where I can download all this real music for free and play it on YouTube. Now, when I give you all the passcodes, you won't be able to upload it to a YouTube channel or social media because you don't have an account with them, but you can still take it and play the songs all you want. And a couple of hands in there is better than one. I mean, it's unlimited. All the hip hop, reggae, techno, all kind of, you know, but it's not the songs we know from artists who are out there, but they're real artists, just like uh, King Sis. She has a contract with them. And like I said, I pay for it every month. So I just never had the time to go through a little song. So I'll give you all and a few other people the passcodes and get in there. That's no crime. You can download the music. You can play it and everything. And if you find something you like, like when you're just sitting there doing nothing, go through it. I mean, there's literally, I'd have to say probably over a million songs. And there's always more coming. I'm going to play this one again.
Okay, let me not run that song into the ground. <laughs> uh, I'm having fun, yo. I'm keeping y'all up a little while longer. I'm just playing some other tunes here. Some of them might be corny because I use them for different reasons. So if it's too corny, I'll stop playing them.
All right, I'm going to let y'all go to sleep. I'm going to end on your favorite, and we're going to come back tomorrow. I got some ideas. That's why I said to everybody to add me on WhatsApp on that number. And um, that's what it is. That's what it is. We're going to do some great things, and we're going to have a lot of fun. Definitely. And I thank you all for all your help and sharing of the links and all of that good stuff. That is true support and the likes and everything like that and the ideas. But um, we're going to have a good time. We're going to have a real good time. So listen, y'all. Enjoy the song, and we'll see each other tomorrow. Take it away, take it away, feeling too good to me. Chilling all day, all in your space is where I want to be. Here in this room, what did you do? I just can't get enough. Too caught up in your love. Trying to forget, but you won't let me. Something in my brain wants you. I've been thinking by myself, asking for help, but nothing seems to work on you. Yeah, you, you always make me feel like oh yeah. You're the reason I'm going out of my mind. I just can't stop thinking about you. Maybe you're brave, boy, you're my weakness Giving we take the love that we make It's my favorite drug Too caught up in your love I've been trying to forget But you won't let me Something in my brain holds you I've been hanging by myself Asking for help But nothing seems to work on you yeah, you, you always make me feel like oh yeah. You, you never leave my thoughts alone. Yeah, you, you're the reason I'm going out of my mind. I just can't stop thinking about yeah, you. You got me feeling some type of way. You're the reason I can't get out of my head I just can't stop thinking about you 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 of course, I know the songs you love. We're connected. We spend a whole lot of time together. Plus, connect with me on WhatsApp or lanceatlanscurve.com so I can send those passcodes out so you can. There's a lot of music that pff, I need your eyes and ears to listen to it so you can tell me what you like so I can play it on the show. But yeah, we'll do that tomorrow. And like I say, I have a lot of good ideas. 
you know, forget them people who say you have to have three million people, whatever. The few that we have here, we jamming, we're having a good time, we're having good conversations, and we're sinking into each other's subconscious minds on a real good way. You know what I mean? On a real good cerebral level support system. So I know it helps me out a whole lot. But anyway, I am going, my voice getting all crackly. <laughs> so it's time for me to go, but I'm never too far. You know, you can always reach me on the phone or any other way. And I know you all are so tired, you're not going to go on the conference line tonight. But if you want to do that, do that. Let me know. I'll pop in for two minutes. But um, other than that, I'm going to hit the sack and I will see you tomorrow. All right. Much love.